See, in many ways, we're like Gnostics in that Gnostics believe that the earth and all of creation was made by accident. Nothing happened on purpose. In fact, because it's an accident, it's not good. And this creation we live in, well, let it all burn. It doesn't matter because it's eventually going to fade away anyway. John, he says, look, this light that was coming was there when all things were made. It didn't happen by chance. It didn't happen by accident. We are not mistakes. Aimlessly drifting through this world by the wind, whichever direction it blows. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Your word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. We have these last couple of weeks been looking at what is the Word of God. Why is it important to us and how does His Word light our path to lead us wherever we may need to go? We discussed that His Word is written. That we have this book that He formulated over 1,500 years and a whole lot of ordinary people. He gave us these words written down that we can know who He is and believe in salvation. We talked about how his word is spoken, that faith comes by hearing. That when we hear his word out loud, either read or preached, when we hear what he is saying, it has a power to change us deep within. And this spoken word is just as good as the written word. Today, as we continue with this lamp unto our feet, we're going to talk about how his word is not just written, It's not just spoken and then heard. His word is living. And that's really good for you and me. We live in a culture in which we're often listening for quick sound bites. Have you you ever noticed that? Like if you turn on any news media or you spend any amount of time on any social media platform, we're taking all these little quotes from people, just one singular little lines, And we're fitting it into a box to fit the narrative that we want to hear. Sometimes this is really encouraging. We read something and say, I'm so glad I heard that. I feel refreshed by it. And sometimes we take these little sound bites, these snippets of words, and we use them as weapons to attack others. Out of context and misplaced, we use what we hear in small portion because we hear what we want to hear. We also live in a culture where... Thankfully, a well-timed meme can satisfy any wrath, right? Like, somebody can be mad at you, but a well-timed, appropriate meme that really responds in a quick and easy, digestible manner, then everybody says, okay, it's just a joke. We can laugh off what was said or done. We live in a world in which we're constantly searching for some measure of wisdom or knowledge or encouragement, often for the sake of self-help. 
What do I need today to have the strength or the energy to be encouraged for tomorrow? What do I need to overcome my problems? And so we look to simple things like fortune cookies and find ourselves really disappointed that those lottery numbers are never the correct ones. Not for me, at least. We look for all these short, simple sound bites to give us some kind of wisdom to live in this world different than we did before. At the time of the Bible being written, there was an idea floating around. It was very similar and yet also very different. It's this idea called Gnosticism. Have you heard of that big word? Essentially, what it was was people who believed if they could hear just the right little bit of wisdom, the right word of truth, something that just resonated just right with them, they would be set free from all of the chains that hold us back physically. Specifically, they believed that everything physical is bad. Why might it all be bad? Well, because our bodies get sick, and after eating a really good meal, it doesn't take very long before we get hungry again, and we are filled with pain and sorrow. And so they looked at this world and said, everything physical must be bad. And if only we find the right word of truth, just something to prompt an enlightenment in our mind, then we'll be free and we can be spiritual people and not worry about the physical nature of being people. Sounds kind of bizarre in many ways. And yet I think we live in our culture today as Gnostics without even knowing it. This constant pursuit of just one little nugget of wisdom from something, just a tiny little bit, then I will be strengthened for the week. Even when we come to hear God's word on Sunday mornings, we can fall prey to this. We listen not to the sermon as a whole. We listen for one little tweetable line that I can take with me and I can remember and I can celebrate all week long. Now, hopefully, if I prepare well enough, there's something that sticks with you that all week long can encourage you and remind you of what God has done. But also, what if... The sermon is not just about something that encourages you or something simple or easy to remember. What if the whole of the spoken word is about something so much more that it's not escaping your current problems and feeling ready and equipped to tackle whatever tomorrow may bring? What if the spoken word is preached so that you as a whole may not experience some word of truth or some soundbite to cling to? but a promise that is for today and tomorrow and every day. Something that is more holistic than just here and now. What if everything we do together is meant to be about so much more? John, the author of the gospel named after him, John often dealt with in his ministry Gnostics who would say Jesus wasn't actually risen from the dead. He just appeared like that. He dealt with Gnostics who believed if we just had the right word, we'd be free from all of this physical junk. And so John begins his gospel today by talking about this word that sets us free. In fact, in Greek, the word is logos, L-O-G-O-S, and that's how John starts his gospel. The same word Gnostics use saying, if only we have that little tidbit of information and wisdom, then we'll be free. John begins his gospel with that. Here's how he begins. We're in John chapter 1 on page 1106 in the blue Bibles in your pews. 
They are also stationed on tables along the walls upstairs if you'd like to follow along. Or feel free to use your own Bible or your phone, that's okay. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. See, John, unlike the other Gospels, doesn't start with the ministry of Jesus like we might expect. Matthew and Luke, they begin with the story of Jesus' birth. Here's where Jesus came from. Mark jumps right into the story of Jesus' ministry, his baptism, and the things he did. But John goes back a little further. In the beginning was the Word. Now, if you recall how this Bible begins, it begins in the very first book, the very first chapter, the very first word spoken in the beginning was God. There in the beginning before all things were made was God. John traces Jesus back way beyond his baptism, way beyond his ministry, way beyond his birth, traces it all the way back to the beginning of creation. In the beginning was the Word. Now just as a brief aside, we also live in a culture today that wants to say that the story of how this world came to be according to Scripture, that's not nearly as true as science and and things, so we trust in science and we reject this. Let me just quickly say to those who believe in a Big Bang, if out of nothing God speaks and everything comes to be, I would imagine in that nothingness there would be a sudden loud noise, perhaps a Big Bang. Just what happened afterwards might have looked different, perhaps. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As John is speaking to these Gnostics, those who believe in things that we would disagree with, that are contrary to Jesus, those who are seeking a word of truth to escape this world. He says, look, in the beginning, this Word existed. This Word was with God and was God, and he continues, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John speaking to those who would seek to just be escaping from this world by some kind of knowledge says, in the beginning was this word, and this word was life. And everything came to be from this word. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's be honest. How many of you are grown adults who still don't like walking through your house in the dark at night? Okay, I'm not alone. Do you find yourself as you turn lights off, like turning it off and quickly running to the room where the light's still on? And then you turn that one off, and when you finally get to your bedroom and it's the last light left, you like turn it off and dive into bed because you know as soon as you turn it off, whatever lives under your bed is coming out from under that bed? (laughs) Or is that just me? The light shines into darkness. What's really great is the darkness doesn't come into the light. It's always the other way around. John is describing this word, says this light shines into the darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I'll just 
because the Bible often uses the same name for a bunch of people and it gets really confusing, John is not describing himself in third person. That would be very strange. No, he's referring to John, who we also call John the, the baptizer, John the Baptist, the one who was baptizing. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. John is setting up for those Gnostics who are looking for this word of truth, this quick means to escaping this reality, this way to forget about our problems and find something intangible to hold on to. He's speaking to these people, and he says, look, this light is coming into this world. In fact, he's always been here. Everything came through him. See, in many ways, we're like Gnostics in that Gnostics believe that the earth and all of creation was made by accident. Nothing happened on purpose. In fact, because it's an accident, it's not good. And this creation we live in, well, let it all burn. It doesn't matter because it's eventually going to fade away anyway. John, he says, look, this light that was coming was there when all things were made. It didn't happen by chance. It didn't happen by accident. We are not mistakes. Aimlessly drifting through this world by the wind, whichever direction it blows. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he came, or he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then comes this line, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John, as he's describing who Jesus is, traces it not to the start of his ministry or his birth, all the way back to the beginning and says, the word that created all things is the same word that became flesh for all things, made his dwelling among us. And there for all who believed that escaping this bad creation was the goal, John puts the nail in the coffin. He says, this creation is not the problem. No, there's something much bigger that's the problem. For this word who was God who created all things, came into this world to take on flesh, to become just like you and me. Not just like as if he resembles us, but in every way just like us, with one exception. The darkness has not overcome the light. The sin that you and I live in, that we continue to walk in no matter how hard we try, does not dwell in this Word who's become flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt 
among us. The word there for dwelt implies tabernacled or tented. You see, in the Old Testament, when God showed up to his people, he showed up to his people in a tent that he had them make. And he said, this is my tent of meeting. I will meet you in this place. And in this place, you will encounter me and all of my goodness and my glory, all of my direction for where you should go and what you should do. You will find in this tent, which later became the temple, a place where God dwelled. But now this word of God has become flesh and tents among us. In the message translation of the Bible, it says, and moved into the neighborhood, right? Became among us, one of us, not at a distance someplace over there. No longer do we need to go to a tent or a temple or a building in some other place to meet with God. No, God has come and become one of us so that we may know his presence and his goodness and his direction wherever we are. He's here with us. We just celebrated this Christmas season, God, Emmanuel, God with us. John, as he's setting up the start of his gospel, what happens in the rest of the story is John spends the rest of this book revealing that this word of God, who became flesh, Jesus, is fully man and fully God. In fact, seven different times John says, or has Jesus say, I am something. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. And seven different times Jesus in John's gospel, reveals himself as fully God, the one who created all things, through whom all things will be redeemed and restored. John, he begins his gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. If you and I want to talk about the Word of God and all that we think of is this written book or the sermons that are preached to us that we really can tolerate listening to, if all we think about with the Word of God is how to be a better person or how to find the right direction in life or all the plans God has for me, we are missing it altogether. See, when we say your word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path, it's not just these written words or the spoken word. It is the living word of God, Jesus himself, in the flesh, God who has become one of us for the sake of us, God who dwells with us. And we have seen his glory, glory full of grace and truth, See, as they were preparing for the Messiah, part of what made Jesus so radically offensive to many was they believed the Messiah to come would come and rescue them from all things physical that were bad. The oppressive government over them, he would set them free. The people who were not living holy enough, he would transform them and they would start living perfectly. God would be among them in his temple again. What made Jesus so offensive to many was his glory was not seen in him conquering the enemy like 
evicting Rome and all the oppressors over them. His glory was not seen in him feeding those who were hungry and even healing those who were sick. This word become flesh reveals to us his glory most when he laid down his life for us. It's there on the cross, in fact, that a Roman soldier, a foreigner, one who is worshiping other gods, sees Jesus die in the Gospel of Mark and says, truly this man is the Son of God. It's there in his death on the cross that you and I can find hope for tomorrow and for today and even for all of our yesterdays. It's there in his death that we can find a God who is not content to remain at a distance, setting all things in motion and washing his hands and moving on and saying, you figure it out. No, but a God who carefully crafted and formed this entire world, who breathed life into us, who made us in his image and when everything fell apart by our sin, a God who said, I am going to give everything that I can restore that which is broken, bring back those who are lost, rescue those who are oppressed, I will give it all. And this word become flesh is our hope today. See, when we think of the word of God, this book will help you find him. But if you approach this book to become a better person, you will miss out altogether. You will not become a better person because you read this book. In fact, a lot of people have read this book and done some pretty heinous things as a result of it. No, when you read this book and you hear it preached, my hope and prayer is that what you see in this book and what you hear in these sermons is not a word of encouragement to help you get through one more day, but a God who's given everything to say, I will redeem all of your days forevermore. I will be the life and the truth and your hope. I will be filled with grace and truth when this world is filled with condemnation and lies. A God who has come to be with us. Here at this church, we believe that our entire reason for existence is to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. Quite simply, what that means is that you and I alike at one point in our life have been disconnected from God, not because He was far, but because our sin has blinded us to who He is and what He's done. But Christ in His goodness became flesh and Jesus gave His life that you and I can be brought near. That we can see God with us when we're driving down the road and stuck in traffic and running late. That we can see God with us when we're sitting at work and our boss is driving us nuts and we want to treat our boss with what your boss deserves. But instead we remember that we were not given what we deserve. That we can see God in our sorrow and in our pain when life is a mess and nothing goes right. We can say it is well with my soul. It is well not because life right now is good and not because I'm going to escape it and get away from this mess, but because God entered in to make it all right. And I'll cling to that hope and that promise each and every day. And in that, I too will be filled with his grace and his truth. Will you pray with me?
Jesus, we thank you. You are the living word. You are still living and active, speaking today to each one of us through that which is written, through that which is spoken, through your Son. God, you are good. We ask that your word would speak into our brokenness, comfort that is not just temporary escape, but deep and lasting transformation. We ask that you would speak faith into us where we are filled with doubt and confusion and questions. Would you speak faith to trust that you have become flesh to redeem all of this creation? God, we ask today that you would help us in all things to hear from you and to walk with you. We pray specifically thanksgiving for those who have found healing, for Carrie's mom who after 95 days is now back home, no longer in her hospital bed or rehab facility. God, you have restored her health. Thank you. We thank you today for Nicole who also has been released from the hospital and is breathing better. As we come before you today, we pray for those who are sick, who need healing. For Kylie and her GI issues. For Allison's husband and his addiction, would you set him free, Lord? For Ezra and his strep throat. For Jacqueline, Lord, we pray for those who need healing, that you would come and bring it. For you have restored all things. We thank you today that you are good. May it be the cry of our heart each day that it is well with my soul, for you have come to be with us and for us always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. Here in this place, we believe that offering or bringing money and offering to God is an opportunity to partner with him in the things that he's doing. You see, God has come to dwell with us in this place, in each one of us, and then in turn, that through us, he goes into our community to those who are still in need of a light, who are still trapped in darkness. And so when we contribute financially, we say, God, I'm trusting that you, through these gifts, will continue to reach those who need comfort and encouragement. And so in this place, if you came prepared to give today with cash or check, if you prefer to do so physically, or if you filled out one of those connect cards with a way that we can be praying with you this week. As you leave, there is an offering um, basket, bucket, box. That's the right word. I knew it started with a B. An offering box hanging on the wall back there. You can place your physical offering um, or that connect card in those boxes. If you're somebody who prefers to give electronically, you can do so at thepointknocks.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. For those of you who have signed up for a connect group and are wondering, did that go through? Yes, I will be reaching out to you this week, okay? So if you do not hear from me by Thursday of this week, reach out again. I might have lost the... Uh, the request. But you should hear from me in the next three days, okay? All right, now every week we invite questions, and I will do my best to respond. Uh, Caitlin joyfully volunteered today, so thank you. Uh, what questions came in um, for today? 
Um, so there are two questions. The first one is, in, ex oh, in Exodus 14.8, it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel, while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. While I know God used Pharaoh in his plans, I didn't think God could do negative things. I know he allows bad things to happen and uses them for his good. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Doesn't that go against his good nature? It's a great question. Um, if you read in Exodus prior to that, several different times, I think four perhaps, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then it shifts to God hardened his heart. I think the reason for that is, is God gives us the desires of our heart. And if we want to be against God, he will let us. He's not um, going to force himself upon us. Now, he is faithful. He will pursue us to the end. So it's never too late for you or me. As long as we're breathing, he will always pursue us. But I think the idea of God hardening Pharaoh's heart was um, Pharaoh had already decided this, this was it. I'm done. And God allowed it to be the case. As far as God doing bad things, we know that God doesn't do evil, and yet sometimes the things he does or the things that happen, we struggle to see, God, where is the good in this? And in that, I just have to hope that God in his power and in his goodness, in his justness, and even in his mercy is infinitely more knowledgeable than I am and I trust in his plans when I don't always like them. Okay. Um, the scriptures speak of being equally yoked. Will you please explain what that means for a potential relationship? Yeah. Let me warn you. If you're dating with the goal of evangelism, let me convince you to love Jesus because I'm dating you. There's a good chance that won't work well. Sometimes it does, so I'm not going to make a blanket statement that it never does, but we become like the people we're with, and usually we go to the lowest common denominator. It just happens. And so uh, when Scripture talks about not being unequally yoked, there's this warning that if you're pursuing a relationship, be careful that the person you're pursuing is actually helping you draw closer to God and not pulling you away from God. I promise you, if you get married, your spouse if they do not believe like you believe, will be a source of great tension in your life to come. So it's better if you're not yet married to simply pursue somebody who's also pursuing Jesus. It makes things much easier later, I, I promise you. And if you're married and maybe you became a Christian afterwards, the Bible also speaks to that. Like, hey, if you became a Christian and your spouse is not a Christian, like maybe through your marriage, you will save them. The way you serve and you submit, you honor and you love, maybe through that, the way you become Christ-like, they will see Christ in you. So if you're married and your spouse is unequally yoked, please stay married. Don't get divorced because it's easier. It's certainly not. It's filled with pain. Um, however, if you're not yet married, there's always time to bail. I promise. In fact, anybody who's ever done pre-marriage counseling with me will know that I tell every couple in pre-marriage counseling, my goal is to convince you not to get married because it's a whole lot less messy to break it off now than it is to break it off later. And if I, if I do not succeed at convincing you not to get married, it's my goal to equip you to have a really long and healthy marriage with Jesus. So, so far I've not yet convinced anyone to not get married, but I keep trying, all right? <laughs> Anything else? That was everything. Thanks, Caitlin.
Next week, if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, uh, fifth grade through 12th grade, next week after church, we're going to be sticking around in the tap room upstairs. We're going to be playing some games and having some food. So if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler who just like to get to know other middle schooler or high school kids and have a good time, stick around next week and join me for that. Otherwise, for all the rest of you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.